Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every Friday we'll be covering another installment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and Weird Geeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced and no infringement is intended. Geeks! Geeks! Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Show where every single Friday we take you through another installment of the classic horror retrospective franchise. We're doing all of the Blair Witch experience. I'm Al White, your host, and joining me throughout Alexander Chard. Hello. And Heaven Hello. <laughs> That's your real name, right? Yes, absolutely. Guys, so we did the Blair Witch last week. That was exciting. Oh, yes, Now we we're did. going to be dealing with what's called the Black Books. What is yeah. that? What are they? What yeah. are the Black Books? Well, the Black Books, guys, in the Burkittsville 7 and Shadow of the Blair Witch. Two documentaries, 40-ish minutes long each, that came out just in the lead up to Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows. Sounds like they're trying to do the same thing here, Al. As last time. They're trying to replicate and who can blame them? They made a ton of money last week. And if you're coming here, if you've listened to Book of Shadows and we said, hey, go back to last week's episode, that's right. We're going to give you the lead up into Book of Shadows, tell you how that movie kicked into gear. Also, because there's a little less to talk about in these documentaries than the actual films. So let's the timings feel right. Yeah. If you're new to us, though, hello. Welcome. Head on out to wearegeeks.com. We are geeks.com. Or go on your little iPhone. Go on your Android device. What other things are there? Um, iPads. Yeah, iPads, your your Dreamcast VMU. Yep. Yep. Type it in. Typewriters. Type in. Yeah, just get any typewriter and you type in we space R space geeks. And guess what? It's going to take you straight to us. You can yeah. subscribe. You can rate us. It helps us out a whole damn bunch because we don't do patrons. We don't do banner ads. And by the love of God, Alex, we're not going to try and sell you any. Insect repellent. I could have used somebody. Well, I have. We just <laughs> we don't have a sponsorship with any uh, insect repellents. We did a double bill. I went to your house, which is up in a beautiful, beautiful views, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, but up in the hills a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Ali said she got some bites. Yeah, I got some bites from that. But really, the next night we went to see Death Cab and Cassie Headrest. At the Holy old fuck, balls. Man. I look like I look like the Blair Witch got to me. Oh yeah. Tiny little Blair witches all over nibbling your body. all over my body. <laughs> I presume that's how she kills people. Yeah. What are we talking about? Yeah, we're not going to say that. So we do appreciate it if you subscribe and if you rate us. It's the only way you can help us out. And you can also uh, help us out, I'm lying, in other ways by uh, purchasing, renting, or just stealing uh, the creative output that we make because we are a production company. But we'll talk about more of that, that at the end of the podcast, probably. Yeah. If we can be bothered, we'll see how we feel. Yeah. Yeah. Wish we had more to sell. What else could we talk about? Mm. I've got a single app. You can go listen go. to Racehorse by Ghostlight. Yeah. And I just reassembled. I shouldn't talk about this, but I wanted for a split second because I haven't on anything. I did this electronic album, which was I, I, I worked on for five, six years. Mm-hmm. And it's an album, an EP. And then it was one of those things, you know, when you work on something for a long time and then you're like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. It's, I didn't like it. And I had all these like, people I admired doing guest vocalists. And I reassembled it, re-edited it, and now you can buy that. Great. So please buy that. Well. Smudge. Smudge. He's back. Yeah. Well, it's I've the old, it's some, the old I've stuff. Got some, I've got some smudge on my computer. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's in your private folder. <laughs> what are we talking about? The Black Books. So, 
guys it's it comes out Blair Witch Project is what I'm talking about makes a whole bunch of money in 1999 the tail end of 99 and becomes the biggest independent film of all time I don't care what Taylor says Alex <laughs> not up for dispute he's only watched Book of Shadows he's only watched Book of Shadows our friend Taylor if you're listening this is a one-way conversation so tough disputing well, independent biggest independent film of all time I think because really he's disputing what an independent film is that's and, right yeah and I think that's totally fine I, th- I agree with that there's some good conversations mm-hmm. to have with that however unlike the video game industry there are clear parameters mm-hmm. for these rules of what is independent and what isn't in the film industry whether they're right or wrong however I will say to blow his project 100% an independent film absolutely no doubt about 100%. it. 100%. And if you want to hear this to some of uh, Taylor's controversial views, you can go to our end of year episodes. I think he features in the last two. He likes to stir up the shit. <laughs> We're trying to get him in on Star Wars. Um, and what was the other one? We're trying Spider-Man. Spidey. <laughs> Definitely Spider-Man. One of his favorite Star Wars is The Last Jedi and his favorite Spider-Man is Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Wow. Well, to be fair, he likes Spider-Verse and Homecoming, but Spider-Man 3 is his favorite Raimi Spider-Man. He's going to do the podcast. God damn. Um, anyway. Not just the highest independent film of, at that time, still, to this day, the second highest return in investment in movie history. This oh, wow. movie. first one. God damn it. Paranormal Activity. Ah. Which I think is nebulous, though, because Paranormal Activity is down as costing about fifteen dollars to $20,000 to make. It did originally, but then Spielberg got involved, and they yeah. definitely added some bits. And then I don't know how much they ended up spending on that movie, for sure. But yeah, maybe it's less than the Blair Witch Project cost. Isn't Paranormal also found footage? Correct. Interesting. You make money. You, you, will you be joining us on that journey? <laughs> we'll see how this one goes. <sighs> Perhaps. <laughs> that one will probably spook you more. Anyway, so this is still the second highest return in movie history. Artists and entertainment, obviously, are like, you know what? Let's do that again. But like all fucking studios are like, let's do Mm -hmm. it again now, now, now. Green light it. Let's get going. We want to film at the same time next year. Yeah. The original directors are like, we're fucking tired. We don't, we want this to be a good thing. You know, we want to do it right if we're going to do it. They already, I remember the buzz back then in interviews. They already had ideas. They wanted to do the Blair Witch prequel. They wanted to tell the story of Ellie Kedwood and the witch. Which I feel now you can kind of see in The Witch, sort mm-hmm. of. I'll be honest, I was never really interested in their prequel ideas, but I respected them for wanting to do something different. So instead, they went off and tried to make romantic comedy airplane style called Heart of Love starring David Hasselhoff. That sounds like a gem. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Like They would have had so much momentum behind them, so many people uh-huh. wanting to work with them or... Make another horror film. Giving them, giving them projects to work on. No, uh, no guys, we've got something We're in mind. Do a Monty Python airplane-style comedy. It's just the name, Heart of Love. <laughs> oh. Anyway, it didn't happen. Fell apart. They actually did animatics and everything for it. So instead, though, artisan side, let's bring in Dick Beep. He had just written House on Haunted Hill, which was pretty big at that time to write the new Blair Witch movie. It was the last thing that he would write. And then sadly, he passed away eight years after at 53 years old. Yeah. And then they brought on Joe Berlinger. So Joe Berlinger is an acclaimed documentary filmmaker, especially known for a documentary called Paradise Lost, uh, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills. Now, Joe uh, was pretty outspoken about not being a fan of the original film. And in particular, he was really angry that the public were willing to accept it as real. Like he took that as an affront. He was a great documentary filmmaker, quite acclaimed. And it really upset him that we're moving into this era where using the internet, uh, you could trick people basically into believing something that crazy was oh, real. Oh, what a sensitive little man. 
Yeah. Honestly, I'd love to know how angry he is nowadays. You guys thought you weren't going to get tricked on the internet? Yeah. What an era. Yeah. Well, it was honestly, it was a much more innocent era. You didn't, again, the Blair Witch Project came out at the perfect time. And his intent with Blair Witch 2 was, quote, on one hand, Blair Witch 2 works as a standard horror movie, but it also is a meditation on violence in the media and the nature of fanaticism and obsession, the dangers of blurring the lines between reality and fiction. So a thing I heard about this film, you can go on YouTube and look up Texas Frightmare video and there's a Blair Witch Project 15 years later Q&A with the cast. And we'll talk about this down the line in uh, some later episodes. But they, the, act, the, original, the original actors from Blair Witch, when asked about Blair Witch 2, were very open about it being a cash grab at that point. And one of them, I'm pretty sure it's from this interview, I hope it is, talked about how that they'd heard that production dates were already set without a script being finished. Oh, definitely. No, definitely. They were ordered, like, it will be out on this date. We don't have any idea who it is. We don't have a writer. We don't have a director there to bring them in. And it'd be fair, like, this is an all right writer, not great. Yeah. But he's a Hollywood writer. Mm-hmm. And then you got Joe, who's, yeah, docu- like, and I have to, like, give artisan some credit. Like, they, they were at least sensible enough to go, okay, well, let's bring an actual documentary filmmaker. Like, we want to keep some of that spirit alive in this and some of the commentary alive in this. And so I think, and he wanted to do something interesting with it. When I read all the interviews with him, I don't think it's a problem that he hated the first film. Mm. Like he wanted to do something different and he wanted to do a commentary on the fanaticism of this stuff. And I think that's interesting. He went to Burkittsville and spent time there talking to people without him knowing that he was working on a new film and interviewing people because they were pissed. So, I mean, I don't know if you know him, but like after the film, Burkittsville was swarmed by people people were just oh, like man stampeded the town which was good for tourism but terrible for the town because they were just trespassing on people's land and just mm-hmm. like you know going into the woods obviously and all this shit so you went there to talk to the people to find out how upsetting they were finding it and what it how it was interrupting their lives and how the film had fucked up the town basically so he developed for us the core theme for their movie and he wanted to talk about the evil of blair which might actually be human rather than supernatural that's what he was more interested in yeah I am less interested in, but we'll get to when yeah. we get to things. Yeah, and anyone also want to talk about the Wiccan community who had come out very pissed, legitimately pissed about the first film. And he has a character in the film that he wanted to represent that side of it as well. And he wanted it to be, yes, yeah, psychological thriller and just a dissection of mass hysteria. Dan and Ed, the original directors from Blair Witch, they saw the script before we went to production. Like, we do not like this, but guess do what you're doing. Like, they couldn't really stop them anyway, so... Do they hold on to the rights of the... No. No? Well, it's kind of weird. I mean, and there's not that much info work. about it. We'll get into it when we do the actual films, which ones it produces on. But there's so many hat tips of like, yeah, you still technically own this, but we can do whatever we want with it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. There's so many strange things. Like, you will always get paid or your name will always be on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's lots of shit in contracts that even I've seen at my stupid low level of just like, we're going to do what we can to consider your feelings and all that bullshit. <laughs> right, which right. really means... Oh, we're going to show you this, but if you don't like it, tough shit, we're doing it anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm. And that, I would imagine that's what it was. It's like, oh, do you want to be involved with this? Oh, we don't want you. Yeah. <laughs> or we do want you. But either way, we're doing it. Anyway, casting for the first film took a year and a thousand auditions for Blair Witch 2. They had it down in six weeks. <laughs> Figured it out. Which, to be fair, is more normal, I guess, yeah. for a feature. They shot it over 44 days initially in the spring of 2000 on location just outside Baltimore in Maryland. And then the first trailer was released exclusively, heaven, prepare yourself, 
to streaming on Yahoo! Exclamation oh, mark. What? <laughs> Have you heard of that before? <laughs> it shows a half-naked woman with a Twana symbol discovering the Book of Shadows, the actual Book of Shadows, yeah. in the woods before she gets attacked by a mysterious man. Um... Yahoo was now, wild the Book of back Shadows then. was never mentioned in original Blair Witch or even in the original dossier. Even expanded lore, not yeah. around. We had the cult of the uh, the Blair Witch cult mis- mysterious book, yep. but never a Book of Shadows. Yeah, no, we did not. There was also a Blair Witch web fest, which is really showing to be how early in the internet we are, which involved Marilyn Manson with the winner going to the opening of Manson's current tour, as well as a private screening of the film with Marilyn Manson there in person. <laughs> I love it. The what a time, time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> Web fest. It's confusing. <laughs> Amongst this madness. Hacks and films. So what are they up to? Remember that? The original oh, yeah. Dan and Ed and the yeah, creators. Yeah. And like, what are they doing? They're trying to make that hard to love thing. Didn't work out. Dan and Ed, to be clear, were not involved with any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. However, Hacks and films were. So Hacks and films worked with fuck what's his name ben rock to create two more documentaries because again artisan were just trying to replicate the success of the first film mm-hmm. what happened with the first film we had curse a few days before the blair witch came out in cinemas yeah so like let's do that again only second film let's do it twice as well mm-hmm. twice the documentaries twice the quality that's what probably is the equation so you got the burkittsville seven and you got Shadow of the Blair Witch. Burkittsville 7 was there to basically introduce some new lore to recount people who maybe hadn't seen the first film but wanted to see yeah. a sequel. I don't know. I'm like, okay, we're going to set some stuff up. And then the next one was like, this is, lit- this is legitimately all about the sequel. Um, and spoiling aspects of the sequel as well. Very much so. I mean, and it's interesting that they've completely echoed the first one. Because what worked with the first one was the hype and hysteria that it generated of people being unsure whether it was real or not, or certainly thinking it was real and really buying into that. Whereas at this point, a year down the line, I feel that the general public already know now that it wasn't real, yet they're going to still make their the same choices this is the huge problem that we're going to get into is it's one thing and nowadays and again heaven's why i'm happy here because it's one thing nowadays they tell you anything you're going to think it's a lie absolutely because you're a smart young lady (laughs) (laughs) and yeah you've just been on the internet before again in 99 you didn't naturally think it was a lie you could be skeptical by the time it came to the uk again 100 percent people knew the blair witch was a lie but when it first came out you didn't because they were really telling you this is true this is true Mm -hmm. until you saw that film but yeah, by now, it's like, well, you're fucked. Everyone knows, obviously, by this point, the yeah. Blair Witch was a lie. And it's such a weird decision to be like, well, let's just keep <laughs> really going. Is. Let's just so, put a head down. Yeah. Just pretend, no, la, 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 la. <laughs> if we, if we make two documentaries, they'll believe it. <laughs> Absolutely Man. bewildering. Mm. But that's what they did. So what can you do? All right, so now we're going to get to the meat of this episode. We are going to start with the Burkittsville 7, which came out on 3rd of October, year 2000. I didn't say this, um, I apologize, but we didn't do the IMDb ratings, Alex, for the previous two films. Oh, shit. I've never missed them before. I was all in the fluster because I was so excited. But yeah, Curse of Blair Witch, it, that got a 6.4 out of 10. Blair Witch Project got a 6.4 out of 10 as well. I see, I remember seeing that and it really surprised me. Yeah, yeah. People are dicks. Blurkittsville 7, 6.8 out of 10. Get out. I can't. I can't do it. That's what it, they voted. The public voted. Get out. 
I believe that. Yeah, Bucketville 7. Better than the Blair Witch Project. Oh, wait, hold on. No, no, I don't believe that. Absolutely not. But I get why the readings are all similar, because it, it was pretty well done, I think. Well, they're all in the same... Yeah, I mean, yes. Anyway, the to be fair, we play the IMDb game by doing the points. The IMDb thing is kind of skewed, because you can have the less people voting... And that can swing it to stay high because normally a film comes in quite high and then it will settle really low or fairly low. Uh, the more people you're amassing, obviously, your average is going to like work out different. But anyway, Bugsville 7, 2000, 3rd of October, directed by Ben Rock. We've got Monty Bain as Bramwell, Lucy Butler as Sarah Dedona, Sid Comrade as Dominic Cazell, Mickey Cottrell as Harlan Miles, Marvin J. McIntyre as Rustin Parr, brackets, reenactor. So what, they're not using their real names? Not using the real names. And Alex, you might notice that I didn't do the cast list and the previous two. It's because they weren't really necessarily acting in the Blair Witch. I mean, they were, but like, mm. yeah, they were playing the themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in Curse of Blair Witch, we had some legitimate people as well as some fake people sprinkled in. Now we're just into fake people. Yeah, now we're into fake land. All actors. So we're going to start with Chris Carrasco, the film archivist. He's talking about witch rumors from the 1700s. He's going to like, take us through things as a guy who's like super into finding old films and looking into the history of his part of town which is near Burkittsville I will say he's very genuine yeah I like him mm-hmm. it's good casting it's a fun character yeah. he says the witch just became a scapegoat for Burkittsville though um, and he's recounting pretty much everything from Curse of Blood Witch mm-hmm. so I mean that's with the- some interesting theories oh they're gonna fuck with some stuff I will say also, just right from the get-go here, we have this funny haunting score, yes. which just plays throughout the whole thing. I've it doesn't down. stop. I've just written down, there's music all over this immediately that doesn't work, and it's all like Native American style. Yeah. It's, What's happening? It's so weird. And I was kind of like, you know, yeah, I wrote that I don't know if I like it, but it's still, you know, we were talking about in Curse of Blair Witch, how stylistically it, it sort of fit those spooky docos of that time and this kind of felt it had a similar kind of feel yeah, to it I guess. there was a point where i was like it doesn't stop it's so loud in the mix. so loud <laughs> everyone yeah. was jiving to it oh yeah dance party all by myself <laughs> <laughs> and i just have the acting just isn't as good immediately mm-hmm. like it was just like this doesn't feel quite and again i think it's because in the in curse they're mixing real people with fake people mm-hmm. there's i can tell it's fake but this could still be entertaining. Yeah, you have fucking weird lines, but like, I know people have drowned in soup bowls, yeah. but drowning in two or three of water, three feet of water. Don't when know. Bethany heard that, she was like, huh? <laughs> Did he just say soup bowls? Well, that guy does in Seven. That's how they find him, face down in soup bowl. Have you seen Seven? No. Greatest film that was ever made. Spoilers, yeah. someone dies in a soup bowl. Thank you for ruining it for me. Don't bother watching the film. <laughs> Yeah, and then we have, like, I'm not denying that these things ever happened. That's a fact, but it wasn't a witch. And we're getting a lot of, like, okay, we're now trying to convince us that it wasn't a witch. Yeah. Which is a weird way for us to be pulled. And then they're adding in the Blair Witch Project basically to the end of the Curse of the Blair Witch. Like, that is the new event that's mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new thing to be puzzled over. But as Alex was saying, obviously this doesn't work because we know it's fake. <laughs> yeah. So it's difficult to, like, really suspend all that disbelief for this one. But Chris is saying the kids are just missing or dead. And it's a sick joke, essentially. Which is a theme as well sorry, in, in, the, sorry, sorry. Um, in the original dossiers that the, the sheriff, um, that Mr. Craven's guy, he pushes the hoax thing. And that kind of is a recurring theme of like a lot of people saying 
they've just faked it. It's yeah. just faked. It's just faked. And he said that in Curse, too. Like, it's yeah. all a hoax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is hard, because then I'm like, are they trying to go with, oh, we're aware that you know the Blair Witch Project was fake, but we're going to pretend that it's still considered by some people to be yeah. real, but no, we're with you. It's obviously fake. I don't think it's that clever. But <sighs> it's like, yeah, yeah there's actual end not. credits on that film. So yeah. <laughs> there's no debate about it. Then we get sucking clips from this film from 1969 called White Enamel, which is weird because they don't explain it for quite a while. Oh, uh, yeah. I was like, what is happening? And then a nice butt of Chris's, sorry, a nice shot of Chris's butt as he's like bending to get, he's like, oh, I've got this rust in par <laughs> briefcase yeah. in the dusty corner yeah. of my attic. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. just like, the camera just goes, oh, butt. <laughs> the old Michael Bay shot. He's really into serial. <laughs> <laughs> Introduce everyone from the butt upwards. That's the Michael Bay way. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Chris is into serial killers. Very into serial killers. He's into cameras, which is a nice little hobby, but then he's like, yeah. Those two together don't... Mm -mm. Here's my my secret stash of serial killers. Yeah, and particularly when you've got a dusty briefcase in the corner. It's like, "Mm." Uh, But we're going to get the same Rustin Park clip that we got last time. Still cool. Still Still awesome. It looks so real still. Yeah, really scary so still. good yeah it's just really unsettling that whole interview yeah I love it every time that comes up yeah yeah and good news Bill Barnes is back oh Bill Barnes you mean the Burkittsville historian the one and only mm-hmm. all excited he's saying he's teaching the children the history of the area oh man that must be a fun lesson for these kids <laughs> don't go into the woods yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean I'm finding this all could work but the way to put it together just isn't quite as good basically so far yeah it's hard to kind of be pulled into it in the same way as curse of blair Witch. like even going back to that and knowing it's obviously not real that it, it had a a quality and a charm that was that did feel very real and not acted mm-hmm. whereas this it's kind of there's moments but it doesn't have that that overall sort of yeah. feel to it yeah it feels like they're trying just a little bit too hard yeah, yeah. and also when you're like it's hard to suspend your disbelief so you're going into knowing you're not going to believe them mm-hmm. and then they're just trying to kind of double down on like the disturbing and the eerie and the yeah. realistic but in a way that's just too much yeah. like yeah. too horror movie-esque but we're going to get more information here. So we're going to learn that Rustin Parr actually abducted eight people. We heard some of this before, but it was very much breezed over. Uh, he abducted eight, killed seven. Kiko Carl Brody got away. I'm actually going to get the names of everybody, which I wrote down. Emily Hollands, Carl Brody, Tara Shelley, Stephen Thompson, Michael Guidry, Eric Norris, Julie Forsyth, Margaret Lowell, all abducted in 1941 by Rustin Parr. I can see my two fellow detectives flicking through their notes. <laughs> Just, uh, I mean, that's what they tell us. Yeah. Then we got some drawings of Rustin Parr as this sort of monster luring children to the woods, holding a stick man figure. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I missed that. He's holding a little stick man. Yeah. Leonard Torrington, relative of Rustin Parr. Okay, so here's a little note I've got. So from our original dossier, we have a list of all of Rustin Parr's immediate family. Leonard, however, is not on that list. However, there is a Robert Torrington. So okay. Presumably, he's related to that person. Yeah. Something. Okay. Um, and then we're going to meet Dominic Cazell, a former priest who heard his confession. Yeah. And he's also uh, mentioned in the original dossier. And he talks about... He doesn't, he doesn't reveal what he heard in the confession because that would break his priest. Vow. 
vow. That's it. This was looking for. So he However, keeps- he is no longer a priest. He left the priesthood. And he kept his vow for 50 years. Yeah. And um, then he revealed it in his journal, The Secret Confession <laughs> yeah. of Rustin Farr. Yeah, so so we mentioned this at the end of last week's episode, but Heaven's now read a bit more. And you were right that the priest gets down with it. Yes. The priest gets jiggy with Kyle Brody's mom. And it's very like, what is it? He says, um, I was suddenly aware of how close the two of us were standing. I smelled something on her then. Perfume, mm. a hint of lilacs. Lilac. I step back. Perhaps there is a psalm we can read, I said. Mm. A psalm we should, oh, sexy. And then, so basically, he comforted her, and then they had intimate relations while her husband was out looking for Kyle Brody, and her second child <laughs> slept nearby. And yes, they did have classic, sex. Classic technique, the old priesthood. Yep. Come in, comfort. Bang. Let's let's have a psalm um, together. Mm-hmm. So Carl Brody being the boy that survives. Yeah, so town. So to be clear with this, Carl Brody's gone. They presume taken by Rustin Farr. He's gonna escape later, but right now they're searching for him. They don't know if he's alive or dead. These mm-hmm. other kids go missing as well. They don't know if they're alive or dead. And his mother's like, time to get down with the priest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on. Yes, and the mother was also saying how her like how misunderstood Kyle was, how Michael had been like very distant. Michael's like the husband, the father to Kyle Brody, yep. and just how much of a comfort because I guess the priest had been like, coming to talk to mm, arguably what's too her much name? of a comfort to Carol, and how comforting their their talks were. And you know, she made him tea. There was a warm fire, and her son was missing. So I understood how the mood was set. But yes. It's interesting. I mean, I guess he's got to fill a book. <laughs> so mm-hmm. He's just pulling stuff where he could. Have you seen First Reformed, that film? About the priest? <laughs> yeah, with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, it's a good film. So he's kept his private vow for 50 years about whatever it was that Rustin Parr said to him. We're going to learn about it later because he just breaks it. <laughs> yeah, he does. He yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. Out of nowhere. Doesn't even make a big deal out of it. Because in the dossier here, when they're interviewing the priest, he says... Tell me about your decision to leave the priesthood. This is what the investigator says. And he says, ha, huh, you think you're clever, sir? And he's like, you want to know if Rustin Parr had anything to do with it? And then he just, and he says, I, yeah, he decides not to answer him at all. But a little later on, yeah. It's like, hey. We're also going to have Janine Brody, who is Carl Brody's sister. She, for me, is the worst actor in this documentary. Yeah. For, this, for, for this moment, it was like, okay, that's when it really broke for me. Because I liked the the camera obsessed guy mm-hmm. chris whatever his name is i thought it was great bringing back the historian it sort of allowed it to bring back a bit of realism to it but the moment she came on yes. it was just very very acted yeah no she was just definitely oh okay we're in a film yeah over dramatized mm-hmm. um there is a thing about this character though janine brody are we still in the original dossier or is this the second one? well i'm going back to the original because there's some conflicting stuff so Janine Brody, Kyle's sister, talks about Kyle and talks about the trial of Rustin Parr. And she remember she's like, she says a line, she's like, I don't know why they took me to the trial. I remember seeing Kyle on the, on the stand. However, if you go back to the original dossier, page 132, there's a like a, a, a clip, a cutout from a, a magazine article called the, Na- uh, the Nation, which is about the Rustin Parr case and Kyle Brody. And they interviewed Janine in this. And it says here, Janine was just two years old when her brother was kidnapped. 
So presumably a year later at the trial, or he was hung in 1941. So yeah, she should have been two or three. All right. So that doesn't fit. And then she does talk about in this article that Kyle did have psychological issues and couldn't sleep and then would do with like when he was growing up, he would lock her friends in the basement and say that Rustin Parr was outside. Um, And it does, she goes on to say that he was institutionalized and that he has good days and bad days. So it does, they then obviously expand on that a lot. That's interesting Mm -hmm. though, because then they definitely did set it all up. Were they already thinking of a sequel or were they just trying to put extra spooky layers in there? I mean, that's kind of reassuring. I mean, for sure, Ben Rock, I will say this, like Ben Rock, the director of this, He's part of Hackson Films. He definitely seems to care about the way that they've done it. He definitely seems to have done his research to do all of this, to set things up as well as he can. And I'm sure Alex's eagle eye has picked a few inconsistencies in his work, but you can tell he's trying. Like he wants yeah, yeah. it to be authentic, mm-hmm. like Curse of Blair Witch. It's just, I don't know if he has quite the same talent as the original as Blair Witch. Has been? Yeah, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I flicked through the dots here. Didn't uh, read well, it fully. skimmed it. So Carl says he's been locked in a room upstairs during when he was taken by Rustin Parr, and then he'll be faced into the corner, as we know, while Rustin killed the children. And Chris points out, and I find this incredibly weak, Chris is pointing out as a reason for why Carl might be lying. Kyle knows about Emily's abduction, even though she was abducted two weeks before Kyle. So, well, yeah, but she could have told him, or Rustin Parr Rustin, could have just yeah, said stuff, have told him. or boasted about it. Or because like, in the Curse of Blair Witch, they say how Rustin talks to Kyle, like, oh, you know, like, I have to yeah, use yeah. Or, like, discuss, like, having yeah. conversations with him. So it's like, that's not, to learn about information that's already happened isn't weird. To learn about information that hasn't happened yet, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So for him, he can just lot on that, which is fucking stupid. But maybe that's also on purpose, because you are, they're doing that thing of like, okay, we're going to give you which again is smart. We're going to like plant people against each other. We're going to make yeah. this, you want to believe this guy, but then he'll say something stupid. So then you're not going to feel like we're tricking you into believing him. You mm-hmm. know, because we have a lady later psychology. on sort of saying, you know, you can have a theory, but you but some people can force the theory upon yes. evidence or look at the evidence and see if it fits the... And that's how these documentaries always work. Because you as a viewer is like, oh, I want to believe something spooky's happened. But then also if you if it's too easy, then you're like, obviously nothing spooky's happened. You need to have it, have some compromises. Yeah, and then Chris is saying that perhaps Rustin Parr was innocent, which is the first time we've had anyone suggest that in any format yet. Uh, he's saying no one actually heard him say the immortal lines that apparently everyone before said they heard him say, which is I'm finally done when he came into town. And Carl knew, yeah, the Carl knew things that he shouldn't know. So that's what he's really hinging on. Which again is like, okay, well, how did Rustin Park get caught? Because he literally came... Uh, yeah, he came in and confessed. Town, said, I'm finally done. Yeah, I'm finally it's, finished. Otherwise, it's just someone just coming into town. <laughs> you can't arrest people for that. He walks into a local market and tells the people there that he is finally finished. Yeah. So if he didn't say that, he's just walking into town. <laughs> get him. Get him. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking old Rusty walking around like he owns the place. <laughs> very strange or um, well, maybe he was just shopping and they're like you found everything you need you Rusty I'm finally finished <laughs> <laughs> murderer <laughs> oh, wow she's got a big old bag of tomatoes <laughs> so they're really really heavily painting Carl Brody as the killer now we've got Dr. Alvin Frazier who I'd like to believe is named after Frazier the psychologist because yep. he's a psychologist and this is the 90s mm-hmm. what makes mm-hmm. me happy He's saying Kyle should be kept away from society. 
He would chop frogs' legs off without even killing the frog first. What a little dick. Chris thinks that Carl planned this all from the beginning. So he planned all these abductions of the kids and the murders. Carl's the only one who knew all of the kids beforehand. None of the other kids knew each other. But, but Chris here doesn't... He never suggests that Kyle's under the influence of any evil no. malevolent force, right? It's always just... He's, he's, a, just, he's a troubled kid. Yeah. And <laughs> like... But his angle is yeah. really like he does not believe any of the mythology yeah, at yeah. all. That's no. right. Which is important again, because then it brings mm-hmm. us involved with him. Of like, okay, he seems more sensible because he doesn't believe in the spooky stuff. But then that's forcing us to believe, yeah, that Carl Brody's responsible. Chris literally thinks, and they even showed us in recreated footage, he literally thinks that Carl Brody was putting a knife in Rustin Parr's hands yeah. and getting him to do what he did because you would need the uh, ability of a fully grown man. Which is, that was really hard to believe. Or to yeah. like, How? <laughs> Isn't All right, Sonny, sure, I'll do it for you. Yeah. And then there's the way he's, again, bad acting. His his sister just candidly said, ah, no, maybe Carl provided sexual favors to Rustin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why is she that so calm? Was, yeah, that bit was so weird. <laughs> what? Yeah, that bit was so... Oh, I was just it uncomfortable. It was so casual. In, yeah, and it's casualness. Yeah. And, you know, maybe like a, he was a really beautiful child and <laughs> Rustin might have liked uh, him. And yeah. I was like... <laughs> Wow, you're relaxed about this. So, so to be clear, she's saying that as a reason for why he got left alone. Not that he was making Rustin Park do anything. Um, Just that, yeah, sure, he survived because he was willing to put out, basically. It's it's really weird how she does that scene. Uh, But for me, they're painting Carl too heavily here. Like, they're really forcing Way too heavily. Mm -hmm. We'll get to it in the next documentary. But the stuff that just keeps coming up in this, we're like, well, you'd start with that. (laughs) Like, you're just, like, adding layer and layer Mm -hmm. and layer in the hope that I'm not going to notice Mm-hmm. how much you're blackening my brain with this basically yeah. 1966 carl brody is incarcerated for vagrancy that was the first time so he's got now we'll learn he's got a spotty like history afterwards of doing petty crimes it seems yeah i was reading on one like fan wiki thing that he oh, fan ex- wiki that he that he exposed himself in public <laughs> Oh, I think I've seen him in Venice. (laughs) Wow. He was known as a legendary dark figure in the hospital that he was put in. David, sorry, Dr. David Hull and Dr. Harlan Miles are co-doctors for Carl Brody. They say he was taking medication. Well, they thought originally it was the medication that was inducing him into a catatonia. uh, Sorry, catatonia. And then he realized it wasn't that. And then he died in one of the institutes. Um, So sorry, he didn't expose himself, but he urinated in a public fountain. Well, if someone's watching. Yeah. They would have seen his willy. I feel like they really, like, they kind of skimmed over the fact that, like, he watched a bunch of children get murdered. Yeah. So, I feel like, I feel like they kind of mentioned it, but really just were like, oh, no, he's doing this of his own accord. Like, yeah, he just yeah. wants to. Well, that's why, like, this this magazine thing in the original paints it that way as well, of, like, Janine talking about how troubled he was as a consequence yeah, of, of his time at Rustin Pars. Well, and that, like, he life. was traumatized for that and it had serious consequences and yeah you're right heaven it's just like here they're really pushing this thing of like he was troubled all along like yeah it's very heavy-handed yeah because that's not enough (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) having seven people be murdered behind you so now they're going to finally show us why enamel this film from 1969 being explained david hooper a non-fiction filmmaker because he doesn't like the word documentary oh my gosh seen him on something yeah for sure he looked very familiar 
he was interested in insane asylums. He was shooting this film, White Enamel, documentary sort of thing. And they're focused on one of the insane asylums that Carl Brody happened to be at. And uh, then we've got Claudia Van Muller, film historian, thinks of David Hooper as a bit of a hero following the documentary all the way through, putting himself in these positions. And then they find five minutes of footage of Carl Brody. So Chris, obviously a film buff, he's all excited about this stuff. And this five minutes shows Carl Brody chanting never given into Naked. the corner of his cell. Naked. Naked penis out, exposing himself. Yeah. yeah. Which I have to say, like, that part actually, it was, I found really disturbing. Mm-hmm. Like, for it was, sure. I think, the most yes. disturbing aspect of the this documentary, for sure. I agree. Him yeah, in the and corner it was like one of, of his those, cell. It, as far as, like, you know, we talked about in The Curse of Blair, which the creativity of all those different bits of footage I showed, like, this was an example of yeah. that. Well, I think what's really cool about it as well is that then then when Chris goes to look into more footage and finds the cuts that didn't go into the film, yeah. it's a complete, it looks like shit. It looks like yeah, how yeah. film would be treated if it had been mm-hmm. left and it's all sort of bleached and mm-hmm. spotty. And yeah, it feels much more genuine. One thing they did get a little wrong though was that when they had the line of naked patients walking, the, the butt closest to the screen, he had a very clear like shorts tan line. Which I don't think oh. a person in a, in a in a home like that would necessarily Maybe have. Maybe that's what he's doing during a <laughs> recess. Also, I thought it was really interesting when Kyle Brody was in the corner that at that point there was like the voiceover of the woman who was talking about saying, oh, he didn't have a choice. They don't have a choice when they do that. Mm-hmm. And it echoes like all of the different like corner witchy aspects yeah. of it. And I thought as much it's like, oh, blaming it on, you know, the illness. It keeps saying, oh, he just doesn't have a choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which That's still cool. alludes, I think, yeah. back to spookiness. No, I like the Combs thing, and I like the Never Given thing. We're going to find out that it's what Rustin Parr um, was saying on Suicide mm-hmm. Watch just before he was killed. He was screaming, never given, never given. And we don't get it fully explained in this, which I like as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, there's still something else that we're not understanding yet. Yeah. I, was, um, I was rushing through the books found nothing trying to find never given you can't you can't google search a book you can yeah but not these ones probably ask jeeves uh david hooper says carl brody this this is a bit so again where they painted too thick he was like he was every nightmare you ever had yeah, that kid. line was so golden <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, man. So Chris went to David Hooper. Yeah, sorry. To go into the sex of footage. And he finds a shot of Carl drawing from right to left. Uh, so he takes it to Sarah Dodona, who's a photo analyst. And then mm-hmm. Kendra Feynman to confirm the language. I've forgotten what the language is, but it's a type of witchcraft. Tran- Transitius fluvi. Transitius fluvi. Rolls it's mentioned the again in the original dossier. Oh, wow. Fuck, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> because they go to a, a linguist or language specialist who confirms that it is that, the writing on the wall in you the house. alphabet, haven't you, there, I believe. But the alphabet, they also notice that there's different writing, which is called a futhark or futark, futhark, which is a um, old European, like, rune. And if you go to the dossier, page 139, yeah, there's symbols in what they mean. Oh, it's real. I didn't... I just looked it up right now, but transitus fluvi is real. No, I can believe it. So in here they say that the letters are a Hebraic alphabet. I believe it's transitus fluvi, which is like Hebraic Hebrew. And then they're mixed with this futhark, which is a Proto-European language that dates from the first millennium BC. Okay. Okay. But again, I think it's key to these. is like take as many real things as you possibly can to mix them into the Mm -hmm. fake. 
And yeah, it's the language written, like I said, on the walls at the end of the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. So you can see it as you, the camera whips past all those handprints of the kids. Yeah. You can see this language there. Do we? Do they have anything in there saying what it actually says on the walls? Or it's not concise. It's not. Um, it doesn't translate exactly what. Is written. written on the walls, probably but because is, when they did that set dressing, they just found a language and put some fucking. Yeah. <laughs> but in in the dossier, there is some of these the Fudak alphabet, um, and it's just got the different letters. Some, oh, so yeah, symbol means the whole word. Yeah, material possessions, power, evil, darkness, divinity, enlightenment, light, spirit. So, oh, heaven is freaking out right now. What's happening? Sacrifice, here? gift, fortune, crystal, snow, destiny, death, year, season. I have wood, those tattooed. Tree. Do you, you what? Which ones? Oh, it's getting the boobs out. What does that mean? I have, let me see. You've got sacrifice gift. Material possessions, sacrifice gift, fortune, that one. Oh yeah, is it that one? Oh my yeah, God, now we're going to die. And I have like, yeah, I, wow. That's why you don't let your ex-girlfriend give you a stick and poke at 16. She, she, yeah, what? This is okay because so she wait she was so she was well she a so you brought material yeah she wait, was actually material she was possessions pagan. what did you say fortune hold on wait okay I we have, need to read these in order what's your far left one this one yeah, is you got material possessions material possessions sorry guys so for everyone who can't see this I have I have a chest tattoo um. Betwixt, betwixt the breasts, so there's no nudity. <laughs> I happening. thought my, my bra <laughs> strap was going to cover it, but I I missed. I yeah, missed. Um, let's see. Yeah. So material, material possessions, possessions, fortune, fortune. It looks like. Or no, was this one? No, this one's fortune. This one's fortune. Uh, then you've got this light spirit. Light spirit. So yeah, it sounds positive. Light spirit, and then I have the X, which is sacrifice and gift. <laughs> and then I have. Ooh, it's getting dark. Uh, what's this one? I have sun and fire. Okay. Oh, and then I have the this one, which is the demon. The rock is it? Oh man. Which one is it? Rock. Oh, it's the rock and earth. Rocking Where's earth. That? Where's that? You mean like coffin rock? There it is. Yeah. Well, oh, those are good symbols. You don't have Alex. evil darkness or. Alex, do you know? Well, sacrifice isn't a great one to have right in the middle. <laughs> uh, Alex, do you know what made me very happy? If you have any. F- any photos in there of what's on the walls in Blair Witch and if it happens to be the exact same ones that she has I'll tattooed. I'll show it right now, guys. <laughs> okay, let me, let me, uh, let me. We're going to look into that. This is, this is a fun revelation is a, to have on recording. This is a great recording. development. Oh, I think man, it could no. mean now that we're going to die. <laughs> I think it means we should all go to Burkittsville. This is the real modern day you. found footage, found podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is the beginning of our own story. People study like that's honestly great because your face just went like dead, and I was yeah. like, It's gonna be some bullshit. Of oh, I saw one of these symbols. Someone's like, No, it's tattooed on my chest, right? No, now. yeah, she was, she was very devoutly like practicing pagan, her family actually. Oh that's God. cool. Did she like to blow witch? Are you still on good speaking terms with her? No, uh, no, <laughs> do you think she will listen to this podcast? <laughs> hey, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for time to <laughs> sacrifice so much. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we're definitely going to have to come back to that. Alex is doing a little Google search. I, I, I realized that as I'm searching that I had already searched in my own time, Blair Witch writing on wall. <laughs> there you go. Oh, um, he's got it. There were Celtic runes, she told Writing me. on the wall. Uh, pretty hard to see. We've got some triangles. You don't have a triangle, do you, so? Upside down, that's a sort of you... This, I mean, it's all these symbols. Those ones are amidst the hands that are the most prevalent ones. Mm. Because they're the ones they come back to in one of these docks as well. Yeah, I'll see if I can find anything. He'll decipher it, don't we? We'll find out if you're cursed. 
Anyway, so we're pretty much at the end of, of the book. It's Phil um, 7, because, yeah, they're going to find his language that's written on the walls as well as on heaven. And, yeah, they're confirming it is indeed this, these languages. And now we have people just debunking Chris's theories to, like, going against that. Oh, heaven's brandishing the book. Oh, no. This is, like, for the very end, though. Okay. Because it'll ruin everything. Oh, okay. The priest returns now and just out of the blue. All right. I kept it for 50 years. I'll tell you Rustin Parr's confession. Not even like, he doesn't even acknowledge it. He just suddenly says it. And he says, Rustin Parr's confession was that he didn't kill anybody. Nobody at all, Alex. And what do you think of that? <laughs> Wait. So everything we've been built to be scared of in the first two, gone. Bewilderingly, it leaves us with Chris still out there looking for answers. There's not even any resolution with that. And then the credits come up. And guys, this is what really gets me. Okay. This all finishes. We get that little twist at the end. Chris is still out there looking for answers. Credits come up with immediately, oh, this person actor played this person. This yeah. actor played. Th They're not even pretending. And it's like, you're literally trying to make me believe. And a split second later, oh, by the way, this is the actor who played Chris. This is the actor yeah. who played. Like, come on. Breaking fourth wall, fifth wall, sixth wall, all of them. Really annoyed me. It's all done now. What have you got for seven? So basically in the secret confession of Rustin Parr, he does confirm the fact that he didn't kill the children. He said, that's what I wanted to confess to you, Father. I know it wasn't for me to do to myself or to the children. A single tear escaped from the corner of his eye. Oh, God. I came back to the house after Ranger died, which was, I guess, a dog. I forgot which family but a dog died. Somebody had written all over the walls. I made myself a little hidey hole in the woods and got comfortable. I knew they'd be coming back. I couldn't stop it, Father. At least I saved them from the worst. When the killing was done, I went back into the house and dug him up. And then I, he shook his head. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Then the guy asked, did someone else kill those children? He nodded. Who did it, Rustin? Who? He looked me in the eye then That's and I Kyle knew. Brody. I suppose in the depths of my soul and next to this page is a... Black and white photo of Kyle Brody. The Broadster. Mm. And he was a beautiful child. <laughs> so Emo is band. the idea that... Are you supposed to think that Kyle Brody was possessed in some way? Actually, I think there is some stuff about that. Is there? Yeah. I mean, not in the documentary, there's not. Which you is have to do a lot of expanded reading to learn any of this stuff. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, there's nothing in there even suggesting he's possessed. They're merely trying to make you think that he was a legitimate serial killer. Mm -hmm. But as a child, like Michael Myers from Halloween... But it's also interesting if, you know, we do want to think he's possessed because that takes a whole other thing of like, not only is the Blair Witch taking children, she's making another child turn on the other children, which in the Burkittsville, they're really like, oh, you don't want to believe this theory because it turns this nice world you have upside down because yeah. you can't imagine a child doing that. Yeah. Okay. But for me, it's less creepy. I, I just don't find kids that scary. No. But definitely so, insult to injury. Oh, no. I'm going to do, but for different reasons. <laughs> Okay, so in the game, Blair Witch Volume 1. Rustin Parr, I played that. Rustin Parr. A long time ago. There's a bit about Brody. Brody was not the same for the first few months after his abduction. We know that. Most of the time he stayed at home. And then one day, a woman named Dr. Elsbeth Holiday came on an investigation of her missing niece. Holiday was actually an agent of a secret agency called Spook House that investigated strange occurrences. Now, I don't know if this is canon because this is in the game. Yeah, the games are canon, I believe. Okay. And Holiday was assigned to investigate Parr's murders. Most of her research and investigation turned to Brody. It turned out Brody was possessed by a demon, 
with Holiday's help, Brody was able to get rid of the demon inside of him. Is that canon? But they didn't, because he died in the thing. Brody died in the institution. Clearly crazy. Yeah, and committed suicide. So, it's a mess. What Very a confusing. mess they're creating. We're going to be uh, take a little break for a few couple seconds, then we'll be right back with Shadow of the Blair Witch. And we're back. Shadow of the Blair Witch, also the year 2000, released 22nd uh, of October. So about nearly 20 days later. Gets a 5.4 out of 10. A little bit lower, a little bit of a... Dunk. Is that all? Directed by Ben Rock, starring Tony Abatamarco as Deputy Hank Hart, Andre Brooks as Jeff Patterson, Mary Claire Costello as Kathy Patterson, Bill Dregors as Bill Barnes, Apollo Dukakis. What a name. As Dr. Liam Woblick. Did you say Deputy Hank Hart? I did. Uh, sorry, something's already wrong there, <laughs> Al. What's wrong? In the original dossier, <laughs> there's a transcript what from March 1996 where Hart is interviewed two weeks before leaving his post. Hang on, so surely he's a retired police officer in this documentary then. But he seems very active. He do, arguably too active. If he's retired, inappropriate um, things are being done. Because in that original one, he is two weeks away from, from leaving the force, but he goes on to say that he doesn't believe that the video is a hoax. And it's actually him that refers them to Kyle Brody. If we sound like we have more energy now, it's because we had a little snack in between and we're feeling a little bit better. Sanity is resuming. Mm-hmm. Feels good. Also, we have discovered 100% heaven is cursed. Um, I still love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we're no. going to start with... Did you really never look them up to let me hang on? What did he simple say? No, I did. She, she told me. No, she that's l- not the same as looking them did. up. She did. She looked it up. She looked it up in front of... It's like trusting the person who's punching you and saying, no, it's out of love. All right. Mm. <laughs> I was young. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we're starting this documentary using inverted commas in the air, as I say that. It used to be that being crazy meant something. Now everybody's crazy. A quote from Charles Manson, the certified dick. <laughs> that is Charles Manson. Yep. Now, I do what I do appreciate, Alex. You mentioned the music in the last one. This is the same director, Ben Rock. He's back in here rocking things. However, we start with a creak, silence, some thunder. And I appreciate that a little bit of downtime. Sure. Then it goes downhill. September yep. 20th. Should we do it? Should we just skip? We can just go next week's. <laughs> yeah, sure. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> September 22nd, 1999. We're going to get photos of the death from Blair Witch 2. News footage happening. Cringe the- right away. Oh, for sure. It looks so fake. The mm-hmm. news clip is the worst. It looks like a news clip from a bad comic book film. Yes, like Spawn. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> Jeff Patterson has been detained uh, for the presumed murders of they don't know how many people. And they're never going to say, although someone's going to mention 10 later. Donald McFerrell, Patterson's attorney. He's going to be a returning, uh, reoccurring bad actor. He looks like story. Danny DeVito, but a little bit more grim. Danny DeVito. <laughs> I feel you're just generalizing middle-aged bald men. <laughs> Perhaps. All right. Perhaps. I wrote down immediately, none of this feels good enough within a minute. I think that's very generous. I had written down the quote, the Blair Witch thing has gotten out of hand. <laughs> I think that's a direct quote that they say later yeah. as well. It is. He's the bad guy. That's what people are saying. 
by Jeff Patterson. Again, these are just bits of dialogue. It's like you wouldn't say that in the other ones. They would say something a little bit more contextually interesting. Oh, yeah, he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Deputy Hank Hart. Incorrect. Return, returning to the scene. Incorrect. Shadow of the Blow Witch titles come up. Preliminary hearing is happening. Victims' families. Now, I love this. Victim, victims' families are trying to block the production of a sequel. So, here's the setup. They're trying to say that, yes, Blair Witch Project happened. Yep. Probably was fake. Maybe it was real. However, either way, this kid, this is what we're going to learn, was basically influenced by it. And we're going to learn whether he actually did it or not. And some murders happened. So either something spooky is happening or this kid did something or he did it with uh, other people, basically yeah. helping him out. And they're going to try and say that the Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows is a Hollywood's reinterpretation of events that happened September after the Blair Witch Project came out. Yep. So two months after the Blair Witch Project came out, this stuff is meant to have happened. And then they recreated it in movie format, which is why it's not in found footage this time, because mm. they had that year. It's funny, because I felt like the way they revealed it, it was edited the wrong way around. Because they show the clip from the movie, and my immediate reaction was like, why are they showing that? It doesn't look real, blah, blah, blah. And then they reveal, oh, a movie's being made. I think they should have done the other way around. Of course they should have. <laughs> this reminds me a little bit of like the Human Centipede trilogy, where you know each each film starts with them referencing the last film, and like the third film references both the beginning films because they're watching the films. All the films I know if you've seen them or not, and you've seen the Human Centipede trilogy. I don't know. I have a question to ask you: Do you prefer Spider-Man Three or Human Centipede: The Third Sequence? <laughs> 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 um, it you know depends on how spicy I'm feeling. Why not you know split well, screen watch them both spicy. at once? I only know you're a little bit heaven, but I'm presuming always spicy. Yeah. So yeah, this is what I fucking love. So these families, this is meant to be the families of Jeff Patterson. Yeah, presumably his parents, because they look like an older man and an older woman mm-hmm. who are trying to block the production of Hollywood's sequel to the Blair Witch Project because it's talking about their son. And they sit in the dark to be interviewed, which is what you do when you don't want to be identified. Mm. However, they're saying, this is Jeff's family. (laughs) Yeah. And then they're talking about him as their family, which means sitting in the dark is the most asinine thing they can possibly do. Mm -hmm. This is fucking stupid. (laughs) Stupid. Yeah. Do I really have to read this? I think I've I've written so little notes. This is going to be great. Let's just breeze through. Yeah. I hate showing my hands this early, but this one's one's not good. This is an exception. So far, we've got two Jeffs. We've got actor Jeff, whose name is Jeff, <laughs> and he's playing Jeff. <laughs> so wait, we've got wait. So brilliant we've got, innovation. Beautiful. We've got the actor Jeffrey Donovan playing Jeffrey Patterson, and then we have another actor playing the real life Jeffrey Patterson. But I'm not sure what it his looks name maybe is. Even more like an actor than the film one. And that's the first two out of three Jeffs that we're going to get in this documentary. We're going to get a trinity, the holy trinity yeah. of Jeff. Uh, Bill Dixon, he works for the, I've written down DBI, but probably the FBI. Again, more lines. This is from an F, who's meant to be an FBI. We're meant to believe this is a real FBI agent. Uh, he's talking about boogeymen in the woods. God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Donald, however, thinks Jeff is a victim of circumstance. This is, again, his attorney. It's just hogwash, he mm, says. Yeah. Vera is a profiler, and she's and Donald... Um, no, so not Donald. This other guy is, like, working for her, under her, and he's like, yeah, she's pretty good. <laughs> 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 yep. 
And then they just paint, much like they tried to do with, what's his face, old Adrian Brody. Kyle Brody. <laughs> Adrian. In the previous one. Here they're just going to paint Jeff as an increasingly ridiculous obviously he's crazy and has killed people mm-hmm. but they're gonna start from these small things like oh he was really into blair witch and then like you say there's the real jeff actor in the f- sorry there's real jeff and then the actor in the film and i'm saying jeff solicited strangers over the internet where, yeah. else, where else are you gonna do it? and they also like during this talk about the internet how dangerous it was they choose to say this voiceover over cut of someone searching blair witch into ebay and I don't know what the internet was like back then, but I'm pretty sure I wasn't trying to join Colts through eBay. But, you know. I'll be honest, I don't remember eBay being a search engine, but was it at some point, Alex? No, I don't think so. Maybe it's just an ad for eBay above it. I will say this. So, as our listeners have found out, I've extensively went through the original dossier. The DOS. There is a Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 dossier. Yes, there is. As well, which uh, you gave me out to... to peruse you're welcome skim through it (laughs) um now here's here's my main rub with this book is that you know in in the original one they use they use images from the film and it works because it's meant to be the documentary like it's meant to be a documentary so the, the characters from the film that they interview and from curse of blair which we are presuming it's all real people and it's the I presume book, so. The book is created as such. They try and do the same thing with Book of Shadows dossier. However, in completely contradicting this, they use all the images of the actors from the movie. No, they don't. <laughs> oh, it looks so, so bad. There isn't, there isn't real life Jeff from Shadow of the Blair Witch, which we're talking about now. There's only photos of actor Jeff and all the other actors. No. So it's like... It is just so poorly put together. And I was like, no, that's, I'm getting nothing from this. I'm gonna, I mean, I've got a minor rant about this, but I'll wait till I get to the end so, of this episode. Yeah. That is a little infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to talk about Blair Mania. They're going to talk about cult suicide groups. The FBI won't reveal how many bodies were found because they want you to go into the film not knowing, I guess, for marketing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because, again, we went into Blair Witch Project. Now, part of the fear was you know they're fucked because of the marketing. Yeah. In this one, well, we know at least one person gets out, and there's two other people who they're not going to reveal, which we don't know if we're going to see them in the film yet or what. And and I find these documentaries are basically just becoming now different field specialists contradicting other field specialists. Yeah. And they're like, no, I don't believe that one. That one's a liar. Donald Craven, one of the Cravens written on the door in the police, in the police place. You're more into the Cravens than I am. I don't know what's the Cravens, going on. yeah, who's the sheriff. Deputy Hank Hart. The <laughs> names of other defendants in this case aren't being released. And then the court case happens. I'm literally just reading my notes out. Sorry. <laughs> Not giving much context. That's okay. Hank Hart. Can't find anything about him retiring and then coming back to the force. But whatever. That's really the big problem with this entire franchise. <laughs> and now, as if that wasn't enough, guys, they're backpedaling on if Ellie Kedwood even existed. The witch herself. Yeah, that bit's funny. Mm-hmm. But then they, she shows, yeah, and then she goes back. This who is that? Woman? Miriam Lane from the Methodist University. There mm-hmm. she goes. So she yeah, questions her existence, but the then smirk. goes back to the like manifest from the ship that came from Ireland or whatever mm-hmm. that has L. Kedwood on it. And yeah. she's like, it may not even be the same one. Yeah, but like lots of Ellie Kedwoods. Uh, 
Exactly. Will this lady ever stop <laughs> smiling? That's the question. If we found oh, her now. She is so smug and happy with herself. <laughs> I reckon somewhere out there in the world, she's always smiling. Yeah, these uh, kids died, but I can still keep a smile on my face. Yeah. She literally doesn't. Yeah, well, look, she's like talking about Blair Witch Cult, smiling, debunking everything. He killed seven children. Smiling. smiling. <laughs> Fucking terrible lady. And it's really weird that they're just covering all these details again. It's like, who cares? Yeah. But I guess if you never looked into any of the expanded Blair Witch universe, why wouldn't you? I don't know. But mm. fair enough. Then again, you can't expose the records of someone younger than 18 years old. So they get to hide the video of Jeff, of him in a cafeteria pretending to slit his wrists. Which is the third Jeff. <laughs> the Trinity of Jeff. This is high school Jeff, which is played by another actor. Then we're going to learn, again, information you think you get right off the bat. Him and his father went on a camping trip when he was nine years old, and now his father's incapacitated for the rest of his life. Careless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is also fucking stupid. It really is. Uh, and then apparently, because that's not enough. He kidnapped a baby. Took it. Yeah. For out of compassion. He had been stalking at first because that baby was really motoring on its own. <laughs> <laughs> And he did it because he heard voices. So now we're learning halfway through this, over halfway through the stock, he's schizophrenic and he's been on medication because he's schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He demanded not only pills, Alex, not only electroshock. And they leave this to last because you know what's worth an electroshock? I'm going to give a quote. Tough therapy. <laughs> That's oh. right. Yep. Oh, man. I... Yeah, we're not we're not uh, really hiding our feelings here. Alex had already watched this one, and me and Heaven were watching it with you in the room, and every now and then I just see your face just turn to us, <laughs> just a gape for a second, like. Hmm? And then we're going to learn that the Book of Shadows was a treatment for a movie written by Jeff Patterson. What? Yeah, yeah. it's like a bit where they show yeah. he wrote a treatment to make a movie out of, I guess, what he was planning to do. Yeah. Which is now what they're doing, so they're getting super super meta down the rabbit hole. Deep. Deep. Or postmodern, if you're a pre-meta kid. Which Coven? And in potentially my favorite bit of uh, the entire documentary, he pasted his little face into the poster. <laughs> and also changed it to my Blair Witch Project. He, he, he put a little sticker with my... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. And it's not even like... It's just a tiny photo that whoever that day on set was like, oh, this is all we've got with the actor. <laughs> Cut it out. Stick it on. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it was probably like the shot that they had in the hair and makeup trailer. You yeah. Know, they just like have the actor reference in there for them. 100%. That's all we've got. As you <laughs> look at his actor, can we find him on IMDb? If that's still his, probably his profile um, I was actually I just, hope he has I was just looking an at Oscar him. under his belt. I hope he has there he is. golden Andre globes. Brooks. Look at that so smile. This is, wait, this is, wait, this is... Not the not the one we're going to be reviewing this next week. This is real Jeff. Real inverted yeah, commas This Jeff. is real Jeff. Oh, he has beautiful eyes. Yeah, CGI eyes. Is that him in is the in boys? Sons of Anarchy? He's is that him? Voice? No, it's just an ad. Is he? Hang on. Go oh, back one. Oh, there he is in a starfighter of some taking on the dark side. What is this looks revelation? Like a, looks like a fan film to me. The way that's lit. What? There he is playing oh, Steve fucking McQueen. Cool. Am I right, Evan? Am I right? There he is playing nope. Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. Can we... Um, looks pretty Steve McQueen-y. Is he really? I was going to say, is he Steve McQueen? He's had, he's had a good... He's had a good run, I guess. I will bring up his credits for you guys. Evan, 
Yes. Can we, oh no, we're getting off track. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to watch the Ranch of the Sith with you and talk through why it's a terrible movie. No, I just listened to actually the whole soundtrack while I was driving here, so. Did you just hear that the um, Rise of Skywalker, Alex, have you heard this? Including every piece of Star Wars music that's ever been written <gasps> in Rise oh. of Skywalker. Wait, how? That's a lot of music. That is a lot Which, of music. For me, it's a lot of things. Two seconds of being oh exciting, and then the rest of the day being this is the exact problem of the new Star Wars films. It's like we have to stop just focusing on the past and do something new. Are you kidding? That, that sounds the, like a meme. <laughs> that means the Ewok song is going to be in there. Oh yeah, dum 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 dum. Love it. Should we just talk about that instead? <laughs> I hope a love scene happens during the Ewok song. <laughs> I haven't shown anyone your bubble loves. Anything else? Anything else? You just want to talk about the bumps, or how do you say it? What's the, what is it? Let me make your bumps bounce. Oh, I, hate it. I hate it so much. Listeners out there will understand. My client's you know, imagination you know. is not a trial; his deeds are, says his attorney, in an increasingly inconvincing interviews. Jeff wrote some letters to his mom, but they don't really matter. And then we know the internet's in full effect, Alex, because they start to bring up Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Bring in some old Nazi footage. And then they talk about three types of serial killers. You've got serial killers, spring killers. Who just Winter killers. Up, <laughs> Sprinklers, I think, is what you use to water your grass. More plates, sir. And then mass killers. Um, and I'll be honest, I tuned out for a bit, so I don't know which one they thought he was. Well, it depends what he, if he was doing it with the other people. Because mass killer, they said, is a combination of the two. That was like a man. Mass murderer, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Miriam Lane, Methodist University lady, she's back, still smiling. One of the accomplices of Jeff is now speaking out in jail. So we got this woman and this guy, well, this girl, this guy, teenagers probably, but we don't get to see them properly. She's saying that he was very convincing, but also she has no idea what's going on inside his head. And then she says maybe he thought he was the Blair Witch, which really is confirming he did it. Also, Blair I don't Warlock. know if you mentioned yet, throughout all of this, there is littered clips from the film. Oh, yes. That are often played out of context, and it's just weird and stupid and annoying. And mm-hmm. which I'm sad because I didn't want Heaven to know what she was in for next week. Yeah, but now you got a little taste. Are you excited? Oh yeah. There we go. I'm excited, but for very different reasons. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, stop playing footsie with me under the table. No. Bill says the girl had run-ins with the law as a teenager, but they were just minor. So. Probably Jeff's fault. Uh, now we're back to the two parents talking in the dark, pretending they're not the parents while they say things that only parents would say. The Wiccan community, they're also pissed. They're up in arms, which is real, right? You well, said? the Wiccan community really were. So again, they're pulling from some of the real things happening. Not mm-hmm. that much, though. But I don't know if this guy's real. I don't feel... He doesn't no, feel that real. I don't think it's real. None of this feels real. Which is a shame, because like, if they're actually pissed, then get an interview with the Wiccan community. Mm-hmm. That's what the original directors would have done. Uh, and that was the brilliance of that original one again. It's like, whereas this is like, no, you're just even stuff you could be taking, you're not. And then they talk about some sexual frenzies. Oh, the, the book that the monks wrote about yeah. how to like torture witches yeah. while they were having sexual frenzies. Those two were tired. Yeah. You know them monks. <laughs> Uh, the trial finally happens after six months. This attorney is fucking just ridiculous. Um, there's a news interview, and then they just start focusing. In this news interview, the, the person, the cameraman, just moves from the interview to three people in the crowd for no reason. And yeah. I originally wrote down, did they just win a competition to be in this or something? Mm-hmm. And then you find out, no, it's Frank Parsons, a Burkittsville resident. Which, for some reason, the cameraman knew to pan to during the interview. And then he's revealing there were ten bodies... Um, and then you just don't see him again. 
Yeah. It's a really a strange acting role to bring in for no reason. Um, and now, for some reason, we're also talking about D&D and blaming Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then we get a home video of Jeff just staring through a Blair Witch stick man. <laughs> oh, I love that shot. It's like a giant one that he's holding up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm gonna, I, you know what? Now that we're talking about it, I think this is the best one yet because it's definitely a lot more fun. <laughs> they find two bodies in Jeff's home. You think they'll bring that up, right? <laughs> <laughs> How did they get from his, from the woods to his home so fast? Oh, you'll I guess find it'll, out. Be, it'll be revealed. Will it? They were ruled, though, inadmissible because the police didn't do some paperwork or something. Yeah. There's also a Blair Witch shrine in his room. Probably not incriminating. As his attorney says, he's entitled to do whatever the heck he wants to. Yeah. Incorrect. There are mm. laws that stop him from doing something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we get, and then we do get for sure, because Curse of the Blair Witch, again, I was like, this is clearly marketing for the Blair Witch project. But then at the end of it, they never even do what you think they would do. And they should have done, I think, which is say, this assembled real footage is going to be available for you to see or whatever through artists and entertainment. Yeah. They don't even promote the film. This one, we literally get one of the characters, Mr. Cravens himself. It's Cravens, isn't it? Cravens, yeah. Himself saying, I'm looking forward to seeing the sequel. Wait, is it Cravens or Deputy Hart? I've written down Craven, singular. Right. So probably Cravens. Okay. He says, I'm looking forward to seeing the sequel. Sure. Oh, and there's a shot of him from the sequel going, um, stay out of those fucking woods. And like all these teenagers just yeah. like running out of him yeah. in the middle of the yeah. day. Then they say, and then what's even more bewildering about this fucking doc is that they suddenly say the other two defendants will be judged in March. And then we hear the sound of fly buzzing and a rock and it ends. <laughs> Coffin rock. Yeah. From the opposite angle that we usually see mm. it at. And that's it. It just literally was just like, they just sort of dropped it. Yeah. It's like, oh. I think what everyone's scared to say about this is that it was striking, alluring, innovative, never been done before, beautiful art. Scorsese couldn't have done it better in Just some parallel universe where it's done well. Wow. Pulling out the scores. Wow. Just so, kidding. That's a lie. I that's don't think that's the book that. is full seven. We only, we're going to find out. That's Shadow of the Blow Witch. I think we made it pretty clear how we feel about Shadow. But uh, are either <laughs> of these worth watching? Do we like either of them? Do they expand in any useful ways? That's really it. There's nothing else to say. Alex, let's start with you. No, they're not worth watching. All right, let's move on. Uh, no, I mean, Burkittsville 7 feels like a much closer attempt to the curse of Blair Witch. It's a bit more grounded in reality. The characters and casting are a bit better. I don't know if I'm necessarily interested in this Kyle Brody angle that they're really pushing. And like we said, they get very heavy with with that. I do. I, I mean, I do like the idea of... And I think I said this last week with all my sort of horrors, I always like that line of when it's supernatural horrors where they play, whether it's a psychological thing or if it's truly supernatural. So I like... Well, you're in luck because that's what next week's film is going to be about. Yeah, I know. So I like that kind of... Oh, my God. I like that um, (laughs) angle. And there's some interesting bits in that. I think the white enamel part, again, is sort of like a throwback to Close Curse of Blair Witch where there's, there's some... It's like a, a, a true sign of creativity and like how they're playing with different styles. And so that's really interesting, but it's okay. It's, I don't, I don't think you're necessarily going to, as a big fan, I got more out of reading the book, the original dossier than uh, watching Burgers. I can so, tell. Yeah. Like I got a lot out of that, which was really interesting and, and way more enjoyable. And then Shadow of Blair, which is just awful. It's just, 
it does it, it, you know the bits in in Burgersville 7 you can still say oh that bit still feels kind of real I can sort of suspend my belief here a little bit but Shadow of Blair which is just the worst it's the worst the news clips look so fake and cartoony the casting is really awful it just the spliced in shots from the movie and the way that they chose to reveal that like it may that's a fair enough idea if they wanted to paint make this one like these are the real events and then maybe towards the end of this documentary say like now um artisans releasing the sequel based on this story like and here's like a, a small clip from it or if the clips look good. Yeah, or if the clips look good, then, yeah, maybe that would work. But it just, it doesn't, and it's just not, and it, like, there's nothing entertaining about about this, this mini documentary. Just don't watch it. Heaven. I agree with Alex. I think, you know, Burkittsville 7, it was also, like, it was much closer feel to Curse of Blair Witch, and it was interesting. I also really didn't like them straying from the supernatural angle, and I thought that was kind of, you know, the appeal of the first documentary and the Blair Witch itself was, oh, you're not sure. Is there still this kind of mystery in the world? But going back to, oh, it's a human, it's a murder, it feels like they're trying to basically turn into like a slasher film, which has been done before, and it's not what made Blair Witch so interesting. But still, you know, I found it, there were moments where I was like really genuinely like disturbed by it so i think in that aspect you know the casting and some of the acting was a lot better and with with shadow of the blair witch that is the jar jar binks of the blair witch cinematic wow. universe i'm gonna say you that mean adorable wow your words are not mine he's <laughs> gonna die <laughs> Mesa, let's go into the woods. Oh, well, I don't know what the accident was. <laughs> She's speaking in the wind. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. It says rooms. tattoo's glowing. We're <laughs> 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 finally getting the real head. Because uh, <laughs> I know how fucking weird you are. You're being very polite in these There's podcasts. There's a fly in this room, too. So, you know, the real spooky. Like, like very similar like to how death. the shadow ended. There's a fly here. And mm. you know what? Yeah, it, don't watch it. You could maybe watch Ricketsville. But if you had to watch, my take on this is you had to go through Blair Witch. I don't know what we're Don't do any orders yet. Hmm? A what? Don't do any orders yet. Orders. Oh, oh well, you better play. Yeah, don't order. say like. Oh, watch well, this. just really kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Keep it under your hat. Pick and choose, rock and roll, whatever. Pikachu. Yeah. So that's why. So Shadow oh. isn't my favorite. Seven was okay. We're off the fucking rails. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. I think we're all on the same page, basically. But my, here's the thing: book is for seven. The book is for seven. It's fine. I think that's actually fairly okay. It's not far off from Curse of Blair Witch, but just enough to not be as effective. However, the information they give me just annoys me. Like now going into Book of Shadows, and I have seen it before, but I don't remember. It's a long time. I'm expecting there to be something about good old Brody. Yeah, because they like, really hammered that home. Like yeah. that's important. So I'm expecting him to be raised some way. And obviously the stuff with Jeff. Like Shadow is just is terrible. It's like, honestly, again, I haven't seen the second one in a long time. I can almost guarantee you, it's going to be better if you hadn't seen this. Mm. And without just knowing stuff, it's like, I don't want to know this stuff going into this film. Blair yeah. Witch Project, it added to the fear because that was part of the whole zeitgeist. Yeah. Well, this one's like, you're just basically giving us spoilers before we go in. And no questions. I don't have any, I don't, I think you meant to go in going, ooh, did he do it? Let's watch the film and find yeah, out. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't really care. I mean, I'm going into the film just absolutely, like, I can't wait for when they recreate this part where he's holding the sticks oh yeah i'm just staring through staring them. through it dramatic 
Okay, all right. So very quickly then, I guess that'll be the mm-hmm. question. How well did Shadow of Blowitch do? And we'll find out next week. Do you think that after watching Book of Shadows, you're going to say that Jeff did the murders? No. Yes. Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Because I think that that's stupid. It was a stick figure. Just going to that stupid. Yes, because then that's stupid. <laughs> I do. Then that's stupid. Then they can't even set it up in a way that, like, heaven's hoping that maybe they're smarter than what they've told us. <laughs> but we'll find out next week. We're also going. There's something else I want to drop in here quickly about this, but I've forgotten. But it doesn't really matter because we can get to it next week. We're going to be following the careers, by the way, of the directors as we go through as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. But obviously, this is just a year later, so there's not much to talk about. I'm excited for the next few weeks. This is one I didn't want yeah. to like deal with, but I knew we had to if we're doing Curse. Um, I do want to say, oh, actually, that was the thing. There is actually another documentary which I didn't make us watch, which is half an hour, called Sticks and Stones. And this was made by Dan and Ed. However, Ooh. it's basically reassimilated footage from Curse of Blair Witch. Right. I have no idea why it exists. You do actually get some extended scenes from the Blair Witch project in oh. there. So there's some new footage that you won't have seen. But other than that, it's all the same stuff as Curse, only Curse did it better. Right. Uh, so you can skip Sticks and Stones. You can skip Shadow, Burkersville 7, if you really want to fuck with the mythology, then sure. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. my opinion. There's a lot more that we're going to be talking about. There Probably is. some stuff about the actors, too, from the original. Oh, man. We've, we've got so much coming up, Heaven. You are in for a treat. We've got Book of Shadows next week. The week after that, a surprise, which I'm excited for. And then we're going to hit the actual Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. You should be. And we're out. Geeks. Geeks. <laughs> we didn't do the things. Uh, I'm Mr. R. White on all the social media. Uh, it's not over yet. I'm Alexander Chard, Instagram, Twitter. I'm Heaven DeVera, Instagram, Twitter. No, we're really out. See you next Friday. Bye. Goodbye. Geeks. Geeks. <laughs>